Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Robert, this is um, Sunday night's message um, on the 16th. Um, thanks. Okay, I have a, a prophecy that I want to read to you just because um, it pertains to where we are now. Um, if you remember last week, I told you we were talking about the dates. And um, on October 2nd was the Jewish New Year. It was the year 5777. Um, if you, and if you appreciate numbers, 5 is the number of grace and 7 is the number of completeness for God. Three is God's number. So three sevens is God's perfection and completion, both material and spiritual. So we're, we're looking at a really interesting time, um, the year 5777. And um, so, and of course that's our year 2016 slash 2017. 2017 is just around the corner. So I want to read this prophecy to you. It's the Talmudic prophecy of Rabbi Judah ben Samuel in Germany in 1217. And if you want to find it on the net, look up Talmudic prophecy of Rabbi Judah ben Samuel in Germany 2017. Look that up and you'll find it. This is a commentary that goes along with his prophecy. But boy, is this accurate. Okay, let me just read it to you. Talmudic prophecy of Rabbi Judah ben Samuel in Germany 2017. All the signs which we've witnessed in the past few years, especially the signs in the heavens of the four blood moons falling directly on biblical feast days, and in the Super Shemitah and the Jubilee years, I believe this signals Christ's return to rapture us before the seven-year tribulation. That's why seeing the holy 777 in this coming year and a nearly 1,000-year-old prophecy of the Messiah's coming connected to it, I am more watchful than ever before. Rabbi Judah ben Samuel was a top Talmudic scholar in Germany. Just before he died, in the year 1217, he prophesied that the Ottoman Turks would rule over the holy city of Jerusalem for eight jubilees. Okay, a jubilee is 50 years. It's seven sevens, you know, every seven day is a day of rest every seventh year was to be a day of a year of rest in um, in the Hebrew culture so there's seven sevens and then the very next year is called the Jubilee when everything rests all debts um, are squared away everybody starts back land that was given away in Israel goes back to the family it belongs to everything was set right 
to begin a new 50-year period. So, he prophesied that the Ottoman Turks would rule over the holy city of Jerusalem for eight jubilees. That's literally 400 years. And the Turks indeed took control of Jerusalem 300 years after um, Rabbi Ben Samuel's um, death in the year 1517. And the prophecy came to pass as the Ottoman Turks then lost Jerusalem in 1917. Okay, between 1517 and 1917, they're exactly 400 years. During World War I, British General Edmund Allenby walked into Jerusalem on Hanukkah in 1917 without firing a shot. The rabbi went on to prophesy that after the eight jubilees, the ninth jubilee would have Jerusalem being a no man's land. The ninth jubilee was from 1917 to 1967, and he was right on again with this prophecy. The Holy Land was placed under British mandate in 1917 by the League of Nations and literally belonged to no nation. Even after Israel's War of Independence in 1948 and 49, Jerusalem was divided by a strip of land running right through the heart of the city. And Jordan controlled the eastern part of the city and Israel controlled the western part of the city. That strip of land that ran right through the middle of Jerusalem was called No Man's Land. And it was called that by both Israelis and the Jordanians. The rabbi then stated that in the 10th Jubilee, Jerusalem would be controlled by Israel, which it has been ever since the Six-Day War in 1967. His prophecy continued that then the Messianic end times would begin. Then refers to the end of the 10th Jubilee and the beginning of the new. So the end of the last Jubilee would have been the year 2016. And the new Jubilee period, the first year of the new Jubilee period of 50 years, is 2017. So the end of the 10th Jubilee from 1967 to 2017, <clears throat> at the end of that, the Messianic end times will begin. So his prophecy has been 100% right so far. Exactly right. And um, if that's the case, at the end of the 10th Jubilee, which is 2016-2017, in the beginning of 2017, it's um, the beginning of the Messianic end times. Now the Jewish people don't look for Jesus to come and rapture the church. We do. Because there's a judgment to come before the Messianic rule. But um, the Jewish people are looking for Messiah to come and rule and reign in Jerusalem, which he will. So if that's all accurate, then we're really looking, we're looking exactly at the time when Jesus could come. Any time now. 
And the truth is, Jesus says in, um, well, let's just go to Matthew. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. The disciples have asked him, how do we know about the signs of your coming in the end times? And Jesus begins to describe all the things that will go on. But um, he gives them the key for the season. You're not going to ever know when Jesus is coming back exactly. Only God knows that. But um, you're, you know, that's just, that's like in the bride story. The, the father knows only the father knows when the groom will be allowed to go back and get his bride. So the bride waits, and we wait. Only God the Father knows the perfect exact day. <clears throat> but one thing had to happen before it would be possible for Jesus to come for his bride. And that is Israel had to be planted back in its land as a nation, and it had to begin to bud and live again. A nation that had been dead and without roots for 2,000 years had to be replanted. The fig tree is a type of Israel. And so Jesus says this. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. This is verse 32. When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So when, G when Jesus says that, he's saying when Israel is planted back in the land and begins to sprout and put forth leaves again, which it did in 1948, May 14, 1948, then you know that the season is right. So likewise you, when you see all these things, know that it is near and even at the door. And verily I say to you, this generation, which generation? The generation that sees Israel planted back in the land <clears throat> will not pass until all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And this is why studying... Um, and this is why studying Gen Genesis is so important to us. Um, look at verse 36. But of that day and hour, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, <clears throat> marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Two will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Um, so, as in the days of Noah, well, you know, there was violence. There were everywhere is violence. Well, my goodness, open your newspaper. It's not just here. It is around the world. Violence, violence, violence. You know, there was every evil imagination of men was being performed and accepted and popularized. And um, it was horrific <clears throat> in Noah's day. And it's horrific today. 
So we don't know exactly what day is coming, but we know to look up because our redemption draws nigh. And this is the part that makes Noah so important. Noah and his family lived through that while they built that ark. Jesus is our ark. Jesus is the bread of life, and he is the rod of Jesse that budded. He is the descendant of David that's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. Those were what was in, and he is the fulfillment of the law. So Jesus is our Ark of the Covenant. If we're in him and he's in us, we're in the Ark. All right? But in the days of Noah, what happened? Eight people got on, and when when the judgment hit, they were lifted above the judgment. So when the judgment hits, you and I, in Jesus Christ, will be lifted up above the judgment. We'll remain there for seven years, and when the judgment is finished, we will return to earth. Now, there's a really cool part about this. Um, The Christians, of course, are the bride. We're taken out of the way. And when when Jesus comes back, we're going to rule and reign with him. But what about the Jewish people who have been anxiously looking for Messiah? They have a part in this because God is a covenant God. And those who have had a pure heart towards God, who have walked um, by faith in the law, who have continually and anxiously looked for the coming of Messiah, God has a blessing for them. The first three and a half years of of, uh, Antichrist's reign, you know, he's going to make a covenant with Israel. But at the end of that three and a half years, when, when the truth comes out and this horrific uh, attack happens in Israel and against the Jewish people, against all people, all people who believe in God, um, um, God is going to swoop up, collect the faithful Jews, and he's going to put them in the desert in a safe place. Many people um, who are prophetic think that's going to be um, Petra. And, and uh, Petra is a really interesting place in that it's built in the side of the rock. Indiana Jones, that big ancient city in the crescent. But that city is in a floodplain, which is interesting because if it, they have flash flooding rains and, and it floods the whole area. Because the ground is so hard and dry, it doesn't soak in, so it just floods. And uh, it's a dangerous place to be when when it's flooding. But Petra, when it was built, is built with this intricate system of cisterns and, and drainage pipes or whatever inside. So that when the floods come in that area, um, Petra remains dry. And that's really interesting because... Petra, uh, when, the, when the children of Israel are taken to a safe place, guess what the enemy uses to try to destroy them? A flood. Satan tries to send a flood to destroy them. But the flood can't touch them because God has lifted them up and hidden them in his hands. Um, another flood, another judgment. Cool, huh? So anyway... But when they come back, when when the Messiah comes to rule, Isaiah says it very clearly. They will be the the priesthood. They will be the ones who serve Messiah in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, While we will be with Jesus, co-rulers 
in, um, in the earth. Little different, but both honorable positions with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so having gotten that out of the way, now you kind of understand there's another one. There's nothing new under the sun, you know, that's Ecclesiastes. What happens in the end has been told from the beginning. And in Isaiah, God says it. He said, I am he who tells the end from the beginning. So if you want to understand the end, understand the beginning. So let's start back in chapter 6. And we're just going to read a little bit about Noah's story. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God, and I want you to underline that, sons of God, saw the beautiful daughters of men. Okay, two, two contrasts here. Sons of God, daughters of men. That they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, "My Oh, back up, back up, back up. I'm ahead of myself. We haven't done the begats. We have to back all the way up. I'm ready to go with Noah, but shoot. Okay, let's go back to the begats. We're not even near chapter 6. We're still at the end of chapter 4. Where was my brain? Oh, my gosh. Okay, back to chapter 4. We have to get through the begats because these lines are important before you get to Noah. Cain's line is not very long, but but Cain's line is completely wiped out in the flood anyway. What is not wiped out is the spirit and the attitude of Cain, the murderer. Um, it prevails because sin is at the door. You remember sin? Satan. And Satan wants to control. So that spirit remained, but the flesh was destroyed in the flood. But let's look at, at Cain's descendants. Um, so sorry about that. Goodness gracious. Alright, chapter 4 verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Nod is the word nude, which actually means dwelt in, a, in, in wandering. He was lost. He had nowhere to put his roots. He had nowhere to plant. <clears throat> and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, not the Enoch that was um, raptured. This is Cain's Enoch. And he built a city, and he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Well, Cain did not build a city because he couldn't put down roots anywhere. He was driven from place to place across the face of the earth. But what he was saying is, is he built an outpost, a place that was guarded because he was driven from place to place. And because his own name is so bad, he named it after his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. Not the Lamech that's the father of Noah. And Lamech took him two wives. Let me tell you, that is the beginning of polygamy. Right here. This goes against, this goes against Genesis 2, where God put a man and a woman together in one union. The beginning of a plurality of wives. So that was an in-your-face uh, thing right there. But Lamech took unto him two wives. And the name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zilhah. And Adah bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such um, as have cattle. 
and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as Handel, harp, and organ. Zilhah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Now, this next story is really bizarre, but it's here, so we're going to look at it. And Lamech said to his two wives, Adah and Zilhah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man to my wandering and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be um, avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. All right, let's just stop here. Lamech comes in one day to his wives and he says, Oh my gosh. I have um, I've done a terrible thing. I have killed a man. That's Ish, an adult. Um, and this says, by my, or to my, but it should be by my wounding. So by my own wounding, I have wounded and killed a man. And then he says, I have slain a young man. That is uh, Yelad. Um, um, Yelad, and that is a child, a little child, or a young boy. So he's killed two people here, not just one, he's killed two. One, an old man by his wounding, and a young man, a child, to his hurt. So he's killed two people. Um, when you go back and you look at this story, there's a lot of tradition, a lot of oral tradition, both Arabic and Jewish. Um, <clears throat> but the one that's most common, the story that's most common is this, and it's oral history, oral tradition. Lamech was in the woods with his young son. Um, some say it was Tubal Cain. Um, <clears throat> but his young son, hunting. <clears throat> and something moved in the bushes <clears throat> and Lamech shot it and killed it only to find out that it was Cain a very old man but it was Cain so in his um, anguish um, flailing his arms and waving his arms and throwing things and upset about what he had done he accidentally kills his young son <clears throat> or the young man that was with him. Um, thus, I have slain a man, Ish, by my wounding, and a young man, Yelid, a child, to my, by my hurt. So having killed two people, and his was unintentional. He was not a cold-blooded murderer like Cain. <clears throat> so he stands squarely in the covenant such as it was that Cain had with God and he says well if God would avenge Cain to seven generations which is what God promised he said if any man kills you seven generations of his descendants will pay the price for that they'll live under the curse then he says because of that and because I did this innocently if somebody takes my life their families should pay 77 fold Um, it's strange to just be stuck in there, that story. But, um, there it is. <clears throat> um, 
you, you know, you can take that or leave it. It's, that's, it's just, it's oral tradition. Um, and I did read it in more than one place, and it is both Arabic and Jewish. But it's just an interesting look at it. So Cain was a cold-blooded murderer. Lamech killed, but his evidently was uh, manslaughter, not murder. <clears throat> and yet he called on the Lord to protect him again. Even though, and most Jewish scholars agree on this, Cain's family never uh, worshipped God again. They were always um, idol worshippers. They went off on their own and did their own thing. And yet, when in trouble, who does Lamech call on? <laughs> the living God. Yeah. Okay. Now we want to move back to um, <clears throat> Seth. And let's just start with verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was a son born, and he called his name Enos. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. The word call there is karah, and it literally means proclaim, pronounce, publish. Christian commentators... Um, say it like this that um, men as a congregation or a community began to worship God um, and they declared their allegiance to the creator of the universe um, as opposed to Cain's line who did not worship God and I tend to agree with that that this calling on the name of the Lord was uh, set in opposition because we just had Cain's line rebellious men full of murder even manslaughter on their hands and um, Seth's men began to call on the name of the Lord so you know that they would gather together and worship as a communal group as family um, makes sense to me however the Jewish Targum some of those guys believed that um in those days, men ceased from calling on the name of the Lord. This was the age in the days of which they began to err, and they ceased from praying in the name of the Lord. Well, I believe that about Cain's line, that they erred, and they ceased to call on the name of the Lord. But rather, they chose to call the names of men, the names of God's, on different things, the plants and the, you know, idols that they made. This is what um, was said. This is the age, in the age when men began to err, and they made themselves idols, and surnamed their idols by the name of the word of the Lord. So they just took what they knew about the word of the Lord and named their idols after it. Jarkey said, they began to call on the names of men and the names of herbs by the name of the blessed God to make idols of them. But this is Seth's line that we're talking about. And I, I do agree that Cain's people did that. That they absolutely made idols for themselves and named men and idols after the words of God. You know, which is still going on. That's exactly what idol worship is. It's taking anything and using the names and the words of God and putting them on an idol of some sort. To me, 
the idea that Seth's people did that doesn't make any sense because Seth's people end up at Noah who was a faithful man. He obviously had to learn about God and the covenant covenant with God and animal sacrifice. He had to learn it somewhere and it had to be from Seth's line. So I, I kind of think that the Christian writers are more accurate here that that this statement was there to, as a opposition to what had gone on with Tubal Cain's people. That they truly did err and go into idol worship. But Seth's family called on the name of the Lord. So take it or leave it. You know, however you want to um, look at that. But I tend to believe that the Christian writers are more accurate there. Okay, so now we're going to look at more begats. So we're just going to read through this and then I'm going to come back and walk you through it. And give you some, you know, just some interesting pointers. Look at chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam, mankind. In the day when they were created. And Adam, the first Adam, lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and after his image and he named him Seth. And the days of Adam after he begot Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. So there were many other family lines besides Seth's here. Um, But Seth is the one we choose to follow because it's through Seth's line that we get Jesus. So we follow Seth's line. If you go to Luke chapter 3, you'll find Mary's uh, family line descended all the way back to Adam. Joseph's always goes back to David, but, but Mary's goes all the way back to Adam. The seed of the woman. And Seth's line is the line that we follow. So we're only following Seth's line. But know this, that there were plenty of other sons and daughters out there who were also multiplying. Okay, at the same time. All right, verse 7, verse 6. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived, after he begat Enos, 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. Now that's not Ham's Canaan yet. This is another one. And Enos lived after he, after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel 840 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahalalel lived um, 65 years and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. And Jared lived 162 years and he begat Enoch. This is our Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch. 800 years and he begat sons and daughters and all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died and Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah Methuselah is Noah's granddad 
Enoch was Noah's great granddad. Okay? And Enoch walked with God. The word walk there is the same word used when um, in chapter 6 when it says Noah walked with God. He was a man after Enoch's own heart. After he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. The first rapture. He walked with God and suddenly he just wasn't anymore. He didn't die. He was just gone. God took him. First rapture. And I'm sure if you want to dig on that, there's a lot of cool stuff in that. Um, it absolutely is a foretelling of, of the judgment that's coming and um, even the prophecy of our own rapture. But Noah comes in the middle of that and we'll talk about it. And, the, and Methuselah lived 187 years and begat Lamech. Lamech is Noah's dad. Okay, and Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 782 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. And Lamech lived 182 years and he begat a son. And he called his name Noah saying this same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 595 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech, this is so cool, were, remember we talked about numbers, 777 years. 777. Seven, three is God's number. Seven is his number of perfection. So this is 777. God's perfection. Spiritual, physical, complete. Okay. And he died. And Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, let's go back and look at this. Um, if you're looking at the generations here, Adam lived 930 years. He actually knew, Adam actually knew Enoch. He knew Methuselah. Okay. Um, in fact, he only died 69, and he knew Lamech. He only died 69 years before um, Noah was born. So he could have, I mean, he almost knew Noah. That's how long he lived. So this is a thousand years of history. Um, Enoch was raptured right after, shortly after, um, about 50 years after Adam dies, Enoch is raptured. And then Seth died. Seth also knew Methuselah and Lamech, Enoch. Um, but he didn't get to meet Noah. Okay. Then Noah is born. And um, by this time, the earth is coming apart. Now, think about it. Every name that I've named here, not only had the men that were named, but countless more kids who are multiplying in the earth. And this is a thousand years of history almost. Um, starting 130 years after Adam was created. 
all the way up to, it's going to be the year, give or take a little, 1056. 1056 years after the day of creation. Okay? Um, after the day, the week of creation. That's how many years of history go by. Now, just to give you an idea of how many people that would be on the face of the earth, when Jacob took his, his 70 family members and went into Egypt, into Goshen, they were there 430 years, okay? 70 people. And those 70 people in 430 years grew to over 3 million. So you think about how many millions of people now are on the earth here. And, and men are living a long time here. Hundreds of years, not just a short time. So the, the multiplication on the earth is tremendous. What blows my mind about this is you got all Cain's family who are rejected by Seth's family. They're on the outside. And yet, and yet, all of Seth's other descendants besides just this line of men also knew about God and obviously rejected him. Because when you get right down to it with the millions of people on the earth, only eight people got on the ark. The whole earth had gone absolutely berserk. They were all idol worshippers. They were all um, scoffers. And none of them wanted to get on that ark. None of them. Of all the millions of people on the face of the earth, only Noah and his family, who came from that line, that precious line, from Seth, through Enoch, through Methuselah, through Lamech, only Noah and his sons and their wives got on that ark. I mean, that just boggles my mind. And, and Noah preached for 110 years. He probably preached longer than that. You know Enoch did. You know Methuselah did. You know Lamech did. You know they had to have been sick about what was going on around them. Just sick about it. Just like you and I are sick about what's going on around us. And yet we keep standing and we keep speaking and we keep preaching. You know, but our ark is Jesus Christ. Come on, get in. Get into Jesus and let him get into you. I can hardly wrap my mind around that. And I wonder if um, if um, Methuselah and Lamech, because they lived, Lamech died first, his dad died first. Lamech dies five years before the flood. Methuselah died within days of the flood. Jewish tradition says within seven days of the flood, Methuselah died. Um, Methuselah's name says when he dies it will happen so Methuselah was the timeline there uh, of when the judgment would hit this old old man his death was the timeline for when it would hit um, someday I'd like to kind of ferret that out too why Methuselah and you know what that's about but Lamech passed Lamech's key was that he was 777 years old. God's perfection. The time has come. Five years later, Methuselah dies, and within days, the flood happens. 
Um, the Jewish people say they believe that it was seven days because in Jewish tradition there were seven days of mourning from, um, from the death of a family member and um, that God allowed them to mourn the death of Methuselah and then he closed the door of the ark. So, you know, we don't know about that. We don't have any way of knowing, but that's Jewish tradition. Um, it appears that by the year 1536, corruption had absolutely overcome all of Seth's line, you know. So it's believed by the Jews that the sons of Cain took wives from the sons of Seth. And it absolutely polluted the whole thing. Um, so we're going to, we'll stop there and we're going to pick up uh, right at the beginning of Genesis 6 next week. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry I didn't get this taped exactly right last night, but um, we'll get it. Don't worry. Um, okay. God bless you. Have a fabulous week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.